0: I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're watching The Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, my guest is Nick Dunn, veteran author, but most famous for being part of the Chennai Six. Nick served in the parachute regiment for six years. In October, 2013, he was arrested along with 34 crew and falsely accused of straying into Indian waters with illegal weapons. What ensued was four years of hell imprisoned in India. Watch this interview to hear the extent of resilience and mental strength needed as Nick and his family fought for his freedom. Nick, thank you so much for making the massive journey down from Newcastle to be here at my home in in London. Thank you. It's Pleasure. an honour to have you here. I thank love you. having you here, and I know we should have done this up north. because I'm going up <laughs> next week. I can't yeah. believe it.
1: Long journey, long journey, but it's worth it. It's a nice day, so can't complain too much. Well, thank you, and
0: Nick. It's been literally your anniversary um, of coming out of your hellhole last yeah. week. So December must be like a really important part, like time of year for you.
1: Yeah. Um... Not only that you've got Christmas, but every December that comes around, it's when I came home, uh, 7th of uh, December, and during the times whilst in prison around December, knowing that you're going to be spending the Christmas in there, and knowing that I'm not in that situation anymore, I basically feel more happier, that i'm out and i don't feel down in the dumps anymore around december like when my first year i came back we celebrated four christmases and one and it was memorable but, yeah. but yeah. i bet
0: you still had a lot of the obviously the memories and stuff
1: yeah yeah um, of course
0: so talking about memories can you take us back to that day that changed your life what was it the 12th of october
1: that's when it more or less started. Um, we were off the coast of uh, India, getting fuel and provisions. And on the 11th of October 2013, we were taking fuel. Uh, seas were pretty choppy. Um, there was a cyclone nearby, which uh, was causing disruption on taking the fuel. Um, it got to that time of the night where I just, thought I would just turn in, turn in, and then little did I know early in the morning we had been boarded by the Coast Guard of Tamil Nadu and uh, they instructed our vessel, the Seaman Guard Ohio, to go to port and we complied. Um, And the position where we were to how long it was taken to get the port was questionable I questioned it I said why are we going so slow we must have been going between two and five knots very slow and as soon as we came into the port of uh, Tutankaran the reason why we were going slow is because there was a welcome committee waiting for us.
0: Now, when you say welcome committee, I'm, 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 I'm picturing people clapping <laughs> and bottles of champagne, but I guess you didn't mean that. So, no, well, uh,
1: there was media. There was obviously port people that were there. There was different police organizations, different uh, maritime organizations, just different organizations from as far as Mumbai and you know, deep down, they couldn't have gotten there in that short space of time, but you put it at the back of your mind, you don't want to overthink things in case you are wrong. Um, But I 100% know they had been tipped off and then it was basically a seizure
0: exercise. Now, at that point, you knew you you had weapons on board, but you were carrying, weapons with permits that yes. was totally legit and you were, um, you, you were doing this on behalf of a company, mm. that was your job, you were protecting against Somalian pirates. Mm-hmm. When you were coming into that port and you saw this welcoming committee and, and you say you try to push something back, everything to the back of your mind, did you think at one moment that you could have been stitched up?
1: At or, that time, no. Um, anyone who does... Private security are abroad knows the risks, knows the corruption that is sometimes involved, um, where you go into ports, and even a colleague, uh, well, a previous colleague of mine, he had a frayed passport, and they were saying there was something wrong with his passport, it's not legit, and he and his company had to pay a small fee to make things disappear that in our country is illegal in their countries it's everyday occurrence mm. we thought that was potentially the same thing, and we had different organizations coming onto the vessel we were shown the weapons, the ammunition we were complying with every organization we had nothing to hide we showed that we were doing a legitimate uh, business mm. um maritime security protecting seafarers and cargo from somali pirates um but we weren't operating at that time so all the weapons and kit and equipment were stored away locked in Pelly boxes and no one had access apart from the tactical deployment officer or the captain so when people are coming onto the vessel and you're showing them. All these different organisations start leaving. They're saying, well, there's nothing to be had yeah. here. And it was the local boys that decided we had something illegal and they used their media to spin things. And
0: so what, what, do you know what the media were saying at that point?
1: They were saying that well, there was quite a few mixture online articles which was quite worrying for my parents um i had to convince them that i wasn't doing anything illegal but there was rumors of us selling weapons to tamil tigers fishermen etc there was rumors that we were going to do a, a mumbai style oh and of course
0: that was a few years earlier. yeah
1: yeah so anyone anyone who's operated around India or been to India in general, they are quite a paranoid state because of that incident Mm. uh, during Mumbai coming um, via vessels. So they were saying we were going to do a a maritime attack, go on land and attack a nuclear power plant in Tamil Nadu. And we're hearing this and we're laughing it off because military humor you laugh things off
0: now just so everyone knows it was you and you were with um five of the british uh veterans y-
1: yeah um there was 35 okay. who were all in total on the vessel there was there uh, 12 indians there was uh three ukrainians 14 estonian and six british yeah. and 25 of the 35 were guards so the rest were crew um but yeah um it was just madness, the media, like, like I said, um, when you've got a military uh, mindset, you can laugh things off, but when you're speaking to your family on the phone and they're quite worried, um, you're 5,000 miles away from home and they're reading online articles saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and it's not very good. I had to tell me dad after put us on the spot and he says, right, are you up to anything that I need to be aware of because we're here and and reading some nasty stuff here and we'll just want to hear your sign. I said, I'm doing everything above board. I'm legitimate. I'm not doing anything illegal.
0: How did it feel like having to defend yourself to your dad when you know you're innocent? Uh,
1: Strange because... No, normally it's like little incidents when you're a kid. No, I didn't do, I didn't do yeah. that. Yeah, I did. Okay, sorry, but I had to literally hand him heart. say, "Dad, I'm I'm doing a legitimate uh, job. I'm not doing anything illegal." And he went, "Right, that's fine." I'll take and he believed in. He was yeah, 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 he t- took me word obviously. And um, we're in port for a few days. Different organiz- different organizations. Like I said, we're coming off the vessel, on the vessel, leaving. So the welcome committee was getting smaller and smaller. We had to do a a guard uh, routine because different people were just coming on the vessel and were like, who are you? you... So we'd, we started asking people for ID and writing their names yeah. on a uh, check-in sheet and just make, make sure we didn't overload the people because... You know, people um, in India—no disrespect to them—they don't have a, a foresight for danger, and they'll just safety, pile yeah. safety, and they'll just pile on that vessel till it capsizes. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point, you guys weren't arrested. You no, hadn't, no, 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 hadn't, we hadn't were not thrown we're, anything out. Nothing. We were just told work getting checked, and we should be on our way. Um, like, I, like I said to you about a, a, co- a previous colleague of mine. Um, we're afraid passport and make things go away. We never got that option. Well, not personally. We heard potential rumours, but whether it's concrete, we don't know. But like, as the days go by, you think, "What's what's actually going on?" And then the, the local boys, Q Branch, um, who that was Q Branch, yeah. The good old Q branch. <laughs> that
0: sounds like something out of a James Bond. Book.
1: It is. And that's probably where they got the name from. Um, but yeah, the local boys Q branch, they they decided in their wisdom to say they found the weapons to the media. Well, you didn't find them. Oh, right. Them. You, right, okay. We were showing we you them, but they weren't happy. Uh, this is my personal opinion. They looked at... Like they've just been red in the face in front of all these top organisations mm. and they wanted blood and they smelt it and they got it and they legally got it in my eyes after four days on port they removed the weapons and we're thinking where are going to be next why remove the weapons? What, what what did you expect that was going to happen? We we're going to go guns blazing. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and then the morning of the eighteenth of October two thousand thirteen is the day one of hell. Um, it was early in the morning. We were told you're going to hospital for checkup. Hosp- we're not. We're not hospital. stupid. Yeah. That's what they said, and I've got it on video footage. Was anyone sick? No, that was their way of saying we are arresting you without saying where you are arresting you. They just said, we need you to go to hospital for a checkup. We're not stupid, we knew exactly. We confronted them, I have video footage, um, I give it to the media in the early days and basically saying, why are you, why are you taking me to hospital? We don't need to go to hospital. We don't need to go to hospital, but we're not stupid. We knew exactly where we were going, um, and that was to the police station. Uh, there was two buses. They turned up. Were told we couldn't take our phones, watches, wallets, belts. People who uh, had reading glasses couldn't take them. So you can imagine if them are having to fill forms in, they yeah. can't even read. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to quickly ring your families, by all means, do it. And I rang my sister, Lisa. She never answered because of the time difference. Mm. And we were four and a half hours ahead. So it was like between 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning, UK time. So I rang my mum. She was in and out of sleep at... Tablets hadn't kicked in. She was repeatedly telling us on the phone, um, and I had to tell my mum that we're getting arrested.
0: What did she say? I mean, the, well, she was quite
1: shocked and surprised. quite groggy at that time of the morning. I said, "I'm going. I'm getting arrested. I don't know when I'll next see you, but I love you, and I'll see you soon." Then as soon as I put the phone down, Lisa rang us back. I only muttered a few words to her. I said, the shit's hit the fan. Get the embassy now. That was it. I love you and I'll see you soon. Uh, that was the last ever time I've been able to speak to me mum, properly. No, um, when
0: you say that, what do, what do you mean the last time? that
1: you? Well, five days before Christmas in 2013. Uh, whilst in prison I was informed in a letter given to me by the embassy that my mum had suffered a double aneurysm whilst at the hairdressers and it's affected her speech so she can't really speak properly now so what,
0: what caused the aneurysm
1: Do you... stress um, I remember back in September before leaving the country my mum Complaining of having migraines, but um, you never question it because women are more prone to migraines than men. Simple reasons we give you the migraine, probably. That's the reason why. So I never thought, Mom, make a doctor's appointment to see if, you know, it just happened. And I'm glad she was at the the hairdresser's and not driving a car. It was a, a difficult time, a real difficult time, knowing that I'm having to make this phone call not knowing my next steps in life. And like we, we all complied, we're all professionals, we all put our uniform on, we're all representing the company mm-hmm. we were working for. And we got on the, the buses, we went to the police station, the media was absolutely berserk, the blues and twos was on, we were high profile to these people and they were making sure everyone was aware of and it. And that
0: they had a story <laughs> and there was, someone was going to get the wraps for it.
1: Yeah, um, and we got to the police station and it was just chaos, it was hot
0: I mean, had you been arrested, they told you what was going on. We were going to
1: hospital. We didn't even. You were still going
0: to hospital? They were still had told you you're going. We on.
1: never went to a hospital. Went to the police station. So what happened next? So whilst at the police station, um, it was just massive confusion. we were not knowing what's going on. We had no representative. We had no embassy personnel there. we were literally on our own. And you had to deal with a language barrier, very broken English. At some points of the day, they were putting a blank piece of paper on my face and saying, sign this or we will ruin your lives. And we're like, sign what? It's a blank piece of paper. Um was there, no tra- was there any translators or people... Nothing. From, or the embassy,
0: yeah. people from the British Embassy? No
1: one from the embassy. Uh, we did hear a rumour later, throughout the months and years, that the embassy apparently got rejected to come onto the port to see what. we a company agent. Nowhere to be seen. He could have been our translator. Luckily, one of the Indian crew was from Tamil Nadu. So he was acting as what translator for everyone. So when you've got some of the Estonians who English isn't their first yeah, language, yeah, been,
0: like, the two different languages. we're having
1: to try and speak with one or two of the good English speaking Estonians, then him to translate it was an nightmare. absolute it was an absolute nightmare. And we're just played into their hands because we, we didn't know what to do apart from comply and how can you comply to something and the com- so ridiculous?
0: And the company that you were working for, was there. Any, like you say, the agent wasn't there. Was there anyone from the company that was...
1: We heard that there was one of the company representatives but apparently got a hot collar and disappeared. That's what we were told. You got a hot collar because he thought he was going to get arrested the, as well.
0: Where was the company from that you were working
1: The with? company is from America and the owner is dual citizenship Jordanian American. So it was just absolutely ridiculous. We're representing his company and not one of his personnel.
0: Is his company still going? I know we're going off track. Yes,
1: his company is still What's going. What's it called? Advin, it, it's Advin Ford, but I don't know if it's physically operating, but he did whilst we were in prison. So he turned a, a blind
0: n- eye to whatever you were going through and he, and he carried on, he's carried on in operation. And he
1: created a new company and swapped all the assets from that company onto this new one. And that we had representatives from America speak to all of our families in Newcastle, because that's where the uh, company headquarters of the UK was. Um, And they said we would all be getting paid. And not one of us has received a penny in wages, let alone... Compensation? We got offered £10 from the court in
0: India. £10, sorry. and We've not even started, really, because this is at the start of four years of hell. Yeah. £10 for four years? Yeah. I can't do the maths on that, but it doesn't sound like a very good day rate to me.
1: It's definitely not. But it was like from the police station, which was just massive confusion, we weren't getting... I think we were getting a few bottles of water, no food. Um, as you can imagine, we're dehydrated, we're hungry, we're, we're minds going ten to a dozen, mm. we're hearts are beating... We've got no one representing us. We've got no, you know, official translator from the company. We're on our own and we're being thrown to the wolves. And we left the police station. We went to the court. The court was closed. We went behind the court. A guy came out, muttered some words. We got back on the bus and then we went to our first prison in Courty. And that prison was built under English rule. So when they found out that six British were coming to their establishment, I'm, I'm not, I am gonna t- tell a little white lie, but you could more or less just picture the scene. They were more or less doing cartwheels knowing that there was British coming to that prison. Mm. Shoes on the other foot, so to speak. And it was a, a nerve-wracking, horrible experience, this big daunting prison, because it was nighttime um, by the time we got there. Um, and it just puts life into perspective, and you think, I know I'm no angel, but what on earth is going on in my life now? What have I done to deserve this? Is this what hell looks like? Because it's what, a close... What was it
0: like? What were the conditions like?
1: Um, that prison, we're only, we're only in that prison for a few short days and we, we got going through the process. Everything was in uh, paper format, a stamp on your hand. It was like being back 100 years ago. Uh, and you think, what on earth is going on here? Um, We got given two bed sheets, uh, a a cup, a metal mug, and like a dog bowl kind of plate thing. Um, And we were all ushered into some outhouse, like a bigish outhouse with um, like a a hole in the floors, the toilet, and a a big, big washing basin thing. Um, So... That was our home for the next couple of days and we're all trying to spread out as much as possible um, sleeping on the slate floor you um, you got the conditions with the mosquitoes, heat. Being a rent.
0: And what was going through your mind and still no word no word from the embassy at this point?
1: Nothing at the minute. Um, what was going through my mind was my family.
0: And of course, you've got no communication since your conversation with your mum on the
1: the last back, back that earlier it? that morning was the last communication I had with my family, and that was seven seven thirty India time. So knock four and a half hours off that, and where now it past eleven thirty India time in the evening. So it's been a long hellish day for myself. I can't imagine how my family was going through. They must have been having kittens galore back in the UK. Um, I can imagine the the foreign office phones being rung off six British families non-stop. Mm. That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. But I had to remain strong mentally for myself, for my family. Um, and just get that day over and then see what tomorrow brings the next day obviously they came and opened the cell and we we got given breakfast it was um onion omelettes I didn't like onions but (laughs) I had to eat it so I swallowed it because I needed food and in any situation you're in you take the food you know, you've you got all these people where they take people hostage and they offer food and people reject the food. The, no, you take the food because you never know when you're next going to get it fed again. So you, that food, I didn't enjoy it. The, the boiled potatoes were still hard, still ate them.
0: Yeah.
1: Chapattis, ate them. Dahl, I don't like dal. ate it. Mm. Had to because you don't know when you're next going to get fed, you're in a different country. Um, and hell, that is the beginning of hell. And later that day, we got informed, the embassy was in the prison to see we, and we had a, a lady come from New Delhi. And one of the main ladies uh, from the Chennai branch they came to see us and asked what on earth's going on. And we told them.
0: And at that point, did they say, OK, this is what's going to happen or this is what they're saying that you've done and it looks like... The, did they give you any the, the, indication the, of what, you were gonna, what your next, I no. don't know, few days were going to look like? They the didn't ones?
1: even know. We had to tell them what was going on. They, obviously, they would speak with the prison superintendent who you'd imagined... Would have been told by the police of what the proceedings is. And he was a good superintendent for them short couple of days. He he knew he, he was only gonna have us for a couple of days, so there's no point being an RC with us or anything like that. He was actually quite quite a decent educated man. Um so he came and saw us the day we were getting moved from Courty Prison to Chennai and was having a little quick chat and it was all right. It's not his fault. Oh, you can't go blaming them. No, no. They're not the ones that's put we in the prison. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we left that prison for a 14-hour nightmare bus ride and... Anyone who's been to India or watched a program about how they drive in India, you are damn right when you say they are crazy. Going on a bus journey, it took nearly 14 hours. I think for nearly 14 hours, we're telling the the officer or sergeant, whoever was in charge on that bus, slow down or we're going to die. Because the bus was shaking and everything. And,
0: and was there any point, because, right, you're still with all your crew at this point, and, and there's a lot of guards, so you guys have got military training.
1: Yes. Um,
0: like I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not taking the Hollywood films out of context, <laughs> but I could just see a point where couldn't you have overthrown your captives at that point on the bus,
1: had you wanted to? Of course we could have. We weren't even handcuffed, and, they were, and the police were falling asleep with their weapons, so you can imagine... The barrels pointing in your face, you don't know the state of their weapons, so you can't constantly moving the barrels and hoping that they don't accidentally, accidentally pull the trigger. Yeah. And it was quite nerve wracking. Um, to this day, I don't even know why the Indian crew didn't come up to Chennai. They stayed in Palm Courtie throughout, even after the when we got convicted for five years. That was their prison.
0: And they let out now as well? Yeah, everyone, they, everyone got, we, everyone everyone got, got
1: released. Everyone got released, but the 23 foreigners from the 35 guys in total, we went to Chennai. Yeah. The, they, the rest stayed in Palm which we found was strange, but <coughs> I believe it was to do with keeping them segregated from the general population, yeah. because they would have been... Probably attacked. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't say killed, maybe injured severely um, by the other prisoners. Um, we got thrown with stones. I was going to say, so how uh, were you treated? <coughs> and um, it was all right. Strange, very strange. Um, help me, help you, and all this cape, and I'm like, no. Why should I help you? I don't even need to be here. I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be here. Why should I help you? But I'm not going to be an arsehole. I, I just want to keep my me, me, me nose clean um, because that's the key of surviving. Um, befriending your captors. And keep yes. your enemy close. What exactly. Um, and I know I wasn't kidnapped by terrorists. But having a military background, you have to picture yourself in that situation. I'm in a prison. The prison staff, they're my captors. If I become a delinquent, I'm going to get punished. Let's be nice to them and get it back. And that worked. Sometimes it was hard because your emotions would get the best of you. Especially me... I'm a, I can be a bit of a hothead. I've got a short fuse at times. Um, Are you a Geordie? <laughs> I'm, I'm a Geordie, so I've got an excuse. <laughs> but it, it was difficult because I'm missing my family.
0: And at this point, had you heard anything from them when you got to the, the Chana- to Chennai?
1: Um, no, I think we, we got an initial letter when, they came, when the embassy came to see we're in Court Prison. Uh, it was quite mumble jumble by my sister, more of a shocked, not knowing what to write, just practically asking if I was okay. So I was kind of, just give a quick scribble back, just to say that I'm fine. And it was that was a good thing about um, our embassy when they were coming. Yes, not everyone agreed with what they were saying and stuff like that, and. Might, maybe one person or two might not have turned up for these meetings, but they're there to see us in person so they can tell our families he looks healthy, he looks fine. That is all my family needs to know. And were you healthy? Were you fine? Yeah, how, I was. I was you, you
0: were okay? I, I was
1: I, was I, fine I, heard, I remember,
0: I, well, I've heard that you made a gym out there.
1: Yeah. A flintstone
0: gym tell yeah, me about yeah. that
1: yeah uh, well when we went to the the first prison central prison uh 2, too there was some Nigerians there and they'd done the same, so that was kind of a bit of a initiative for when we would initi- the, when we would eventually make our flintstone gym when we got convicted for the five years um and we just Scrapping around, looking around for stuff, um, r- ripping flagstones out the ground, looking for a sharp object, start chiseling a hole, snapping branches, looking yeah the rubbish for a, a pole or some sort mm. where you could put through and using my bed sheets to tie them and initiative. Um, and it gives you something else to do yeah. to break the day up, but. You know, like, trying to t- discuss and go through everything in four years is quite difficult. Be- and it's good trying to do it because a lot of people don't know the whole start, middle end of the of what happened in four years. And four years is a, a long time to talk about s- certain stu- do you, subjects. Do you find it therapeutic when you talk? Uh, it, it helps... Yes, emotions do show on certain parts. But I have to speak about it because I feel like I'm progressing within myself. I'm getting better mentally. The pain's still there. Um, Can you describe the pain? The pain is something so horrible and hurtful, that to really understand it, you have to put, picture yourself in a, in a situation where it's, I wouldn't say life or death, but close to that. Hope you enjoyed the show.
0: Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox. Part two of Nick Dunn's Surviving Hell, coming next Monday.